This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome in to the DMVR Broncos podcast. Almost screwed that one up. <laughs> this close to screw up a sentence into the pod. I'm not Zach Stevens. We are not in London. They are not Ryan Konigsberg and Henry Chisholm, but we are presented by the good folks at DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that code DNVR for all their amazing offers. Right now, another sports equinox day, I'm told. Oh. Though, for this crew, I don't think that applies. We only allow sport equinox days on days where college football's also played. Uh, Jake, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it was an exhausting weekend. Waking up early for Sunday on the Broncos game. I had two games in Boulder. Mm. Um, but all vic- or not all victories. CSU football kind of let me down there. But two victories. I'm in a good mood. How are you guys doing? Uh, Justin, a little grumpy on the Twitter, a little early morning <laughs> grumpiness, Broncos related. Talk us through this. What's going on here? Yeah, it kind of figures. I mean, I've made an effort to do a less, you know, emotional tweeting over the years, but I was just fed up. It was really bad first half. I let off, you know, some highly critical tweets, which were accurate up to this point of the year, but you know, that's kind of how it goes whenever you be like, oh, this team never adjusts. What do they do? They adjust in the second half. For the first time all year, they play a really strong second half. And uh, it was great to see, but it was just a long weekend, man. My, my furnace has been out for a week. Dog had an ear infection, had to host the in-laws. So Oof. I've been through it. And Oof. I just Oof. can't stand Boise State. 
beat my alma mater again. Right, right. You're already getting bad Broncos vibes on a Saturday. No one wants them early on a Sunday morning. Exactly. You guys enjoy getting that game out the way to start off or meh? No. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. feels wrong to have football that early. Like I'm I'm an early riser anyway. Seven thirty is not like I would I wouldn't be in bed at that time. But it just it feels weird. I don't know. I just I don't like it. Hey, I'm uh I'm with you. I felt it especially this morning. I was too tired from the previous morning. Um Shout out to the chat. Love to see you all filling in, except for Henry. Uh, Henry, like, do your thing. I, I don't know what you're doing in our chat right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's on behalf of us all. Um, so, yeah, um, crazy enough. Broncos win 21-17. It felt like an absolute slog for a while. The stat I tracked was Jags. This was halfway through... The second quarter, leading time of possession, 1447 to 6.30. Uh, total plays, 27 to 12. Total yards, 154 to 30. The Broncos didn't get a first down until about the six-minute mark in the second quarter. Real tight window throw to Cortland Sutton to finally move the sticks. And slowly but surely, things seemed to get going from there it was really a tale of two halves and so that's where i wanted to start this off since the boys already recapped the game from london but there's still a lot to chew on here do you feel better about how the broncos bounced back from just an atrocious first half and first really 20 minutes of game time or better about how they were able to adjust and figure things out in the second half. Jake, you want to go? Yeah, I think the slow starts are something that still really concerns me. And yeah. it's just the the offense as a whole and how Russ is playing in the start of these games. I mean, that first pass, so lucky it's not intercepted. His next pass is intercepted. I mean, he's just got to play better off the top. Um, the scheme, I don't, what are we doing in terms of this offense? I mean, I, I, how are we helping out our quarterback here? Um, the offensive line I know is, it hasn't been great, especially on the interior. And we'll get to some of that, but there's just like no easy throws for us. Like there's no way to get him in a rhythm. It's like, he's throwing these contested balls and he's locking in on Cortland Sutton so early on. Um, that's still s concerning to me. And I mean, it got better in the second half and we can talk about the second half as we go. Um, but the things I noticed in that drive that really got them started in the second half, you got to get a big play and Russ had a run. It seems like every time you have those two things happen, you finally get a successful drive. So yeah, the slow starts are still really concerning, I think. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll say in the, the context of this game, I feel better about the adjustments made in the second half, just trying to look through an optimistic lens, but it's not like it offsets, you know, half a season's worth of of poor coaching and like, you know, Jake mentioned, you know, we still have not really seen them come out and, and scheme well out of the gate. I don't know. I, I think the fact that they got the run game going was incredibly encouraging. The defense yeah. has obviously played so hard all season. They constantly put this team in a, yep. in a position to win. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like the Jaguars made some weird decisions in that second half too. Like your ETN's just torching them. I don't know why they didn't just feed him constantly late, but Kudos to the Broncos, man. They, they needed a way to pull one out. We hadn't seen them do it all year long. 
they finally did it. Hopefully we can see them do it more, you know, as they play some of these quote unquote winnable matchups. Yeah. Um, it was, it was rough. It was rough to watch that. It was rough this many games into the season to see them come out the gate like that. Uh, you gotta give Russ a bit of a longer leash coming back from the injury. I think I was encouraged that he looked okay. Once the second half got going, um, two things that do make me more encouraged about those second half adjustments are KJ Hamler and what he was able to do as a vertical threat. Obviously, uh, Russ misses that long bomb from his own end zone where it's Hamler and Dulcich are like in the same spot. He kind of split yeah. the difference on him and I it's, could have picked one of them and I think he hits it and he kind of threw it right in between the two of and them. And there are more Broncos wide receivers in that area than there are Jags defense. Like it felt like if that's a reception, you've got something going. Um, but so it felt like KJ KJ's role really came into play in three plays. One is that missed throw. One is the, the Judy uh, long outcut where he's in the slot, you've got KJ outside of him on the left side, and then you've got Sutton isolated on the right side, and Judy does a beautiful job working outside and then regaining inside leverage. If KJ isn't on that side, if KJ hasn't become a factor the way he has the couple, the last couple of games, I don't know that Judy's able to buy all that space. Now it feels like at least in those three wide sets, they got to respect the Broncos a little more. And probably the touchiest of those adjustments that I noticed, and then, of course, the actual KJ bomb that works out. So KJ is a big, big factor in kind of those second-half adjustments. Dulcich coming along, that's been a big factor. And then the Cushionberry injury. Yeah. You never want to root for injuries. Um, they're really lucky they have a backup like Glasgow to go to. It did feel like that settled everyone in. All of a sudden, the run game just feels a little more set and forget. We're, we, we might not be making big plays like we would with Javante in the backfield, but you can rely on, you know, two yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, this isn't going to be a negative play that now we're facing second and 15 and we're screwed. I believe both those two deep shots Russ takes is with Glasgow at center, which to me, you, you don't want to read into too much two plays to me, there was a, he felt a little more comfortable with the protections at that point in the game. Um, that makes sense though, right? Like if you're constantly getting blown does. up in the it interior, absolutely, you does. can't do anything. You can't run the football. You can't go deep. It just, right. it disrupts you from the start. And it's, it's funny covering CSU. CSU's had to play six different people at center this year. It's you've not, seen the impact. You can't, you can't do anything. It's like not a that. recipe for success. I, I think you've got to, I think you got to stick with the hot hand, man. The offense looked as good as it's looked in a couple weeks during that second half. And I would too. It he's was... got the experience. I mean, there's a reason they re-signed him. And obviously Quinn Miners, you know, being able to win out that guard spot, that's great because that means you drafted well. Cush, probably a failed draft pick. I mean, we've talked about it on the draft pod quite a bit, yeah. even before no, this have. injury, that like we maybe it's a, it's a position you need to explore upgrading. I mean, it was fine, I think. I do... Th to your point, Dre, it was better uh, having Glasgow at center. I mean, Quinn Miners did give up that sack um, mm -hmm. at the at the right guard position. Um, Reisner gives one up earlier. Reisner Not gave the best one up guard earlier. play. Not the best guard. I play. mean, it's just the weakness of the offensive yeah. line is the interior. I mean, the tackles 
obviously aren't your ideal starting tackles right now too. So yeah. for sort of a patchwork offensive line, I think you got to have to, like Justin said, roll with the hot hand. It was working. Uh, Russ just seemed more confident kind of maneuvering the pocket back there with Glasgow at center too. But it's still, there's still work that needs to be done on this offensive line. We've talked mm -hmm. about it on the draft pod. Miners mm -hmm. um, is fun in the run game and he does make a difference in that department. But man, he just gets blown by sometimes by some of these guys on stunts and it really makes it hard for Rusty yeah. to do anything when there's guys or two guys in his lap by the time he gets the ball. Being able to block a stunt, a real issue for this team, and it comes back to so many of the issues for this offense. For the, let's And let's key in. For this offense, it's not for this team. It's for this offense are some of the most basic football 101 kind of stuff. It's picking up pressure pre-snap it's getting open against man coverage that that i saw an improvement in yesterday but god that's been just a slog these this season um and it it felt like all of a sudden they were executing just the most basic stuff a little better but it goes back to your point like there's just not enough they're still like stuck at football 101 type shit mm -hmm. but you mentioned the scheme earlier jake yeah Anything that stands out to you schematically that isn't working or that they maybe made adjustments? I thought it was so interesting, the broadcast crew really talking about how they had to really strip down the offense, get back to basics. It was yeah. a lot of talk of like, this is day one install type stuff that the Broncos are having to run on offense to finally get in a bit of a rhythm here. Yeah, I mean, Orlovsky was great on the broadcast. I, think. I thought he so was pointing out. Riddick kind of complimented him well. Yeah. Though a lot of gruden-esque brother type stuff which i was like uh riddick let's stay away from <laughs> right. the gruden stuff right um but yeah i think a lot of it actually goes back to russ man and just how much he locks on Cortland sutton and that really just is a damper on this offense because i mean there's obviously nine other players on the field and he just always seems to lock in on Cortland sutton early gets himself in trouble that's where the pick was early in the game uh -huh. he almost had the yep. pick on the first throw of the game yeah um so Too scheme wise yeah and ironically that's how they get their first down finally I, I is know. another four slant tightest the window like the most sweated out 10 yards i can remember but why are we just running these slants and stuff where are the plays the spacing plays underneath like mm -hmm. some curl flat stuff just i mean you talk about basic put some of these basic plays in your playbook so that you can pick up five yards on first down eight yards on first down they're not having that and they're having to play behind the chains i mean the running game it just is what it is without your yeah. best runner and Javante yeah. Williams at this point. So um, I don't know. It, it's just, it's rough to watch right now. It's been rough to watch. Sure has. Justin, um, how hot to you is Hackett's seat at this point? Because in the first half, it felt scorching. Um, and one of the things that doesn't help this coaching staff is how many penalties they were racking up. It was, it was atrocious, and Jags are about to go up 14-0, primarily on a drive where the defense is just gifting first downs, penalty after penalty after penalty, and Trevor Lawrence throws a gift to Justin Simmons that really turned the game around. But, uh, you know, you, you've covered a few hot seats in your day, uh, uh, so how, how hot is this one for old Nate Hack? It's, it's still pretty warm. I mean, to me, beating a two and five Jaguars team in London doesn't change the, the outlook of the season. It doesn't change what we've seen so far. And like you mentioned, they still are struggling with some of the 
the week one stuff. I mean, the, the penalties and look, Justin Simmons getting flagged for taunting or unsportsmanlike, whatever they call it. That's one thing. And mm-hmm. first of all, can we get rid of that NFL? These are grown men. We don't need to protect their feelings. Let them talk shit. But I would agree. The, it's the the delay one. of games, the false starts, the pre, the pre-snap stuff. Like that's just unacceptable. That's the type of stuff that I see, you know, plaguing CSU, which is a team full of freshmen and walk-ons playing right now. Yeah. Like this is supposed to be yeah. one of the better teams in the NFL. You have a lot of experience on this roster. That's coaching. If you're still messing that up at this stage of the season, that's coaching. And it's just you're not disciplined enough. I, they got it. You got to change something because your margin for error in these division games is going to be so thin. You can't get away with that against the Kansas City Chiefs, against even the Raiders and the Chargers. Yeah. We've seen how yeah, you know yeah. it's come back to kill them Damn in some straight. of those games. They got to clean it up. On the penalties, though, I mean, the Pat Sertan penalty in the end zone, the DPI, that ridiculous. was not DPI. No, it was ridiculous. The the K1 Williams low block, what they called low blocking on a tackle that he oh. went for. Holy cow. The NFL. That is the, by the issues. by the letter of the law, it was a penalty. It's just a stupid penalty. And you saw I, it come into play later when an offensive lineman blows up a corner. What are you going to do against the three? Yeah. You just got to take it? What are you it? supposed to do? I'm this close to quitting football if we're calling that shit. It's like, crazy. I, I'm just doing basketball and hockey content. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. I'm really. If that's where we're going, then I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be part of it. Um, that was disgusting. But yeah, and they have been getting not the friendliest whistles on defense. The Two weeks in a row. Yeah. 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 yeah it's um, uh, to me, now he goes into a bye week, and I'd love to hear an Urban Meyer on the Fox set style uh, <laughs> checklist of what Nate Hack needs to address, what you would prioritize. Accountability. <laughs> team character. Exactly. Faith. (laughs) Meeting with your team captains to kick your kicker um, of like what what would make the biggest difference for you guys against Tennessee in two weeks for them to have addressed the most coming out the bye. Um, To me, it's still like, uh, you know, it's like state orange is where the the heat meter is on this. this hot seat and i think he's basically on a two-game winning streak notice as long as you can stay out of a two-game winning streak losing streak losing streaks thank you you get to the end of the season and the new ownership can kind of reassess if you get back to a two-game losing streak then it's you're on notice and if that becomes a three-game losing streak i think you've forced your hand I would agree with that. The weird thing is I don't know if there's, because I've had some friends ask me this, I don't know if there's a win total you could set and be like, this is where Hackett's job is safe yeah. and or not. I think it's more about the feel of do we see improvement? Do, you know, do the penalties yeah. stop? Do we see this team continue to make adjustments, improve in the second half? Can they get anything going with Russ? Like anything at all to yep. make you think that this is going to be better yep. moving forward when we have a healthier offensive line, when you get Javante Williams back, you know, when you're not having to, you know, plug and play guys in the secondary every week due to injury, yep. Yep. there have been a lot of things that have gone wrong this year that, you know, it's, Damn it's a tough spot for a first year head coach, but it's just the penalties and the, the game management and that type of stuff. Does Hackett still feel like he's in over his head to me? That's, you know, the, can we move forward with this or not? 
it's really more are you forcing the hand are you forcing them to fire you good point yeah mm -hmm. can you do anything right in year one that's really the barometer you're at uh i think you need to see some improvement in some categories specifically points per game i mean you're still averaging 15.1 points per game you finally get 21 this week you win a game i mean that's what happens when you have a defense that's this good. If you can get to 20 points a game, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, where's the script? I was raised on a, Kyle Shan on a Shanahan yeah. offense, and Th I, I'm not getting those easy points on the first drive ever. Exactly. Ever. It's just, just raise that average by six, you know, with yeah. a good script and shit. Now we're talking. Shoot, even a field goal. You get the 17 points a game, you're going to win a lot right. more games. Right. Also, yardage per game, 348 yards per game. That's just not good enough in the NFL in 2022. Um, you got. I know it's tough with the injuries. I know it's tough with the offensive line right now, and Russ is still sort of figuring it out. But you got to be able to pick up more yards. You got to be able to sustain more drives. Um, you know, you go back to that interception by Justin Simmons. They went three and out right after that. I mean, it was a great interception to really kind of change the momentum of the game potentially the season. Mm -hmm. But you gotta you gotta kind of capitalize on that momentum, man. That's a huge shift in the game. You got to come away with at least a field goal, I think, in a situation like that. Um, that's another two or three first downs on that drive, and you come away with points and potentially don't even have to drive the, at the, the last drive of the game to win it. So that's, that's where I think the improvement needs to come in order for Hackett to really secure his job moving forward. The most rosy glass comparison I could make for the Broncos as far as like teams that are winning in the NFL right now that they're not too far off of would be the San Francisco 49ers. I think the 49ers O-line is a little better. They've invested in guys like Trent Williams and what have you. Their skill players are probably a little better, a little more dynamic. Uh, though their wide receiver core isn't necessarily as deep as theirs. I mean, Brandon Ayuk is basically Judy. You like It's mm -hmm. more the promise of upside. Uh, Debo's certainly better than Cortland Sutton. But, um, but it comes down so much to that scheme and being able to manufacture easy, quick points. Because I think the defenses aren't that far off each other. No. I mean, shit, we saw that in the head-to-head. -head. Like, Supposedly the same scheme or same coaching tree that these guys are from, too. It's possible. That's Boy, the frustrating it feels thing. pretty far related from each other. Yep. That scheme tree feels, like, very far away. Well, it's just, like, where's the creativity? You know, Jake's point earlier of there's – seemingly like nothing easy they finally you know do something with judy where they actually give him the ball <laughs> on a yeah you know but i just that was a beauty to see that it was great that, it was great to sweep. see that it was, was the first great. time all year was mm -hmm. like that kind of felt andy reed-esque you need right, more of that right i know i know you need more of that we will have a few more positives with our game awards in just a second uh, with the tone of this first segment, though, it does feel appropriate to mention Broncos Country Pale Ale, a delicious beer right now to enjoy during football season. We love their logo. We love the flavor. And with football back, it's a great way to enjoy yourself, um, you know, on a on a tailgate Sunday, maybe at a tailgate in person, maybe like a sicko like me on a on a set in a bar just drinking brewskis early in the morning um whatever whatever the occasion may be their uh, colorful colorado legacy can with the orange crush logo and 100 percent colorado ingredients um is our go-to for fall so check them out with the beer locator at breckbrew.com to find a broncos country 
pale ale near you um, and get in on their delicious uh, Broncos Country Pale Ale. You were rocking the jacket today? It's fire, man. It's, it's great beer. They've got a great merch line with it. I've got a t-shirt, jacket, do, and hat. So, I mean, it's really perfect. They're just, they're kind of a perfect partner, as is, you know, our, our next partner, it's TV true. Avaca. It's true. Um, big time shout out to Avaca on the sheet. I have DraftKings next. And if you are out on football like I am, actually, Zach told me it's the Wednesday reads. So that's where we're. That's where we got my bet. It, on on a Wednesday, on a Monday, whatever the day may be, it is day five of football month in America. So I think that's worth mentioning. We started on Thursday. We will have football games for the next 22 days. We have had football games for the past four. Today's day five of that. And if you're out on football, shit, bet on the NBA right now. NBA's back. And new users at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, can bet any $5 money line bet and get $200 in free bets when you win. And it sounds it's an outstanding deal. These guys have been joining me on bets last week. I'll have Jake on today, a little happy Halloween special episode. We get a same game parlay boost on this Monday nighter because it's sports equinox. We'll get a boost on an SGPP or SGPX as they call it, where you can parlay uh, same game parlays together with each other. It's just unbelievable. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use that promo code DMVR. Make any $5 bet this weekend and get $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and uh you know support our partners because they support us and it's uh it's how we keep this whole thing going also check out the dnvr.com where you can find all our amazing content become a member get discounts on merch events find these guys great content henry zach the whole crew they've got you covered it's a great time to be a dnvr member check that out at the dnvr.com all right boys game awards I want to go MVP, unheralded hero, and best unit. I leave it to you on which award you want to start us off with. Let's go just best unit of the game. Yeah. Um, Got to stay on the defensive side, I fear. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I think I... Secondary allows 133 passing yards, which yeah. is pretty brilliant. I think it's got to be the secondary. I, I really liked what I saw out of Draymond Jones in this one. Josie Jewell had oh, a good game man. as well, so I thought about giving it to the front seven. Mm-hmm. But with what Travis Etienne did, just in terms of a you know yards per carry, 150 yards on the ground, like I think you got to give it. Simmons made some big plays in that game. Obviously, that yeah. interception was huge. I have no idea why Lawrence tried to throw that ball. Um, <laughs> it was insane. But I don't think, like, maybe PS2, probably the only other guy on the team that could actually catch that from that distance, mm-hmm. read it all the mm-hmm. way. Like, a, f- a phenomenal play. And like you mentioned, they really locked up these Jags receivers, did a good job of keeping Christian Kirk yeah, in check. In yeah. check. Like, yeah. Evan Ingram's the only one who gives them trouble, and that's... That's classic Broncos. More um, K-Jax than anyone, yeah. Agreed. But, but I mean, one big play the whole game. Yeah, and so I, I, I think this, the secondary was just lights out and did a great job of not letting this compound, you know, particularly early on. 
when, you know, it's not going well offensively, Jacksonville running the football, you know, it could turn into a situation where they start opening it up over the top. They didn't let that happen. Yeah, an amazing game from Kwan Williams, who I'm sure we'll get into yep. in a second. Thought Damari Mathis had a strong game. Damari Mathis played well. I thought Kareem Jackson played well, too. I yeah. mean, he hasn't been yeah. great this year, but um, I think yeah. he's still fulfilling that role as the enforcer and just really kind of delivering some hits on guys. He had eight total tackles. Um, no other stats for him, but um, leading tackler in this game for the Broncos. To Justin's point, I thought the linebackers actually played fairly decent, too. Uh, Singleton played well at times. Josie Jewell played well at times. It's just the off-ball linebackers. Yeah. Yes, the off-ball linebackers. Yeah. You'd like to see more from those on-ball guys, of course. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the Evan Ingram kind of tearing it up for the, uh, the Jags and then the big runs. You do want to see the second level play more consistently. I think that's just sort of a talent issue at this point, though. Yeah, um, the perimeter runs scare me. It's why I would be reluctant to give this to anyone on the edge or even the off-ball linebackers. Um, I think it's really between the secondary and the interior defensive line. Draymond, amazing game, best game of the season. DJ Jones, I thought, was a real factor. Mm -hmm. um, Matt Henningsen starting to really play well, um, giving him some good goal line snaps and stuff. Mike Purcell kind of got back to being a clogger yep. and it felt like they had to go outside. Um, I would argue that the interior D line allowed fewer big plays than even the secondary, which is saying something. Um, so just, just to nominate another one, I'm going to go interior D line though. I think the secondary is no doubt the injury no had three tackles for loss. So it's certainly Incredible. fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought all those guys played well. You just want to see, you want to see them stop the run, not just on the inside, but on the outside too. I mean, that's concerning. Especially with the games you've got coming up. and Concerning. The Chiefs and Baltimore and yeah. the Chargers. That's a lot of guys with people in the backfield with speed that can really you know, take advantage. with Henry, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and that's as much as he's like a big back, we've always said Henry's real skill is on those tosses. He gets outside and then as soon as he has just a head of steam, it, it's tough to tackle him in space. It's tough to tackle him in space. And I do think we are seeing John Elway and how he prioritized building those edge rushers, really going after finesse, speed rushers. You don't have Randy Gregory. Chubb gets beat on that draw, which, hey, it's a draw. Like, that's what it's designed for is to suck you in like that. Um, and the edge is not as polished defending the run as you'd like. I'd agree with that. Bit more of a risk taker. It's just part of the part of the game. Um, your MVP, Jake, you start us off here. On either side of the ball? Yes, yes, oh, MVP man. of the game for the Broncos. Um, let me say... You know what? I don't know if he's MVP, but Greg Dulcich, I think, has really opened up this offense. Hey, and I, go ahead. Player of the game on maybe the drive of the game. 98 yard, the 98 yeah. yarder, right? Like, yeah. he's crucial. He opens up all those spaces. Yeah, and just his, we talked about on the draft pod, the way that he can stretch the field, how <laughs> confident he is in his hands, and just that element he brings to this offense has really seemingly opened it up yeah um giving russ another downfield option i love that they keep running him on these like um out and up routes these like wheel routes trying to get him deep mm -hmm. down the field um you need to see more of that i think so his arrival and just presence for the broncos has been huge. a godsend it's been no huge. kidding didn't expect it 
to be this impactful this early on. For we talk, you talk about rookie tight yeah. ends. I mean, look at fan. It's hard for these guys to come in and yeah. have an impact. Yeah. So yeah, really can't like say him up three games in and he's doing the thing. Yeah. Can't say I'm, much. I'm really glad someone mentioned Dulcich. I definitely think he was on the short list. Here. Yep. Can't say much more. I already shouted out Draymond and we've talked about the secondary. So uh, I'll talk about Josie Jewell, who I felt like tackled really well in this mm-hmm. game. Um, mm-hmm. Him and Singleton have done a solid job of all season of yep. making solo tackles yep. in open space. Um, they've just been consistent. And I felt like that was, you know, probably Jewel's best game of the year. So I'm going to shout him out. I'll go K1 Williams. Um, That's a good one just straight up. I think he deserves it in a cast making those kind of big plays on the ball and then the clutch interception to close it out. Um, just outstanding game. He's been such an asset in uh the secondary playing there and the nickel close to the line of scrimmage he's just really really a factor in all in all phases um and i'm just blown away by how good he was in that game that was unreal man that was unreal yeah that play on the ball with one with you know Uh, one healthy arm it's just insane (laughs) that was absurd um okay you're unheralded hero of the game Justin, you can start us off. I guess that was probably Josie Jewell. I probably did that wrong. Um, I'm gonna go with La- I'm gonna go with Latavius Murray. It wasn't like a it's massive a game, but I just feel like he did enough. Obviously, scored that yep. touchdown. Yeah. Uh, late, the Broncos have had a ton of issues in the red zone in terms of capitalizing. You know, deep inside enemy territory. He's been a big pickup, and I think, you know, as he gets more comfortable in this system, as they get him more touches, he's a guy that can, you know be pretty impactful for the for the Broncos down the stretch. Love that. Unheralded hero. I mean, I don't know if unheralded is the right word, but that Justin Simmons interception was absolutely massive. And I think that that presence that he has on this defense, you saw it once he came back, just totally different defense, playing much more confident in the back end. Um, I'm seeing a lot of Damari Mathis love as well. Um, but Justin Simmons, just the leader of that secondary, and Justin talked about it. I think PS2 is the only other guy on that secondary that can make that play. Just read the ball that quickly. It was on him so fast. Um, and that just changed the whole point of the game, really, from that point yeah. on. Yeah, and we see a penalty earlier in that game where... No, I'm thinking of another game entirely where that's a really tough spot where you're in conflict and you don't know, should I stop the quarterback run? Mm-hmm. Should I sit back and, you know, try to cover? He played that perfectly, and that was the play of the game. I'm going to give it to K.J. Hamler. I mentioned how it's important I thought his spacing was for him. It's really key to see him coming along. Um I mean, we forget how important he was in that draft, but KJ pre-injury was slotted to be a first rounder. Mm -hmm. Um, The receivers we've seen come out in the last couple drafts and go in the first round, I think of a a guy with a very similar profile coming from the same exact school in Jahan Dotson, who goes 18th overall, I believe, in last year's draft. KJ has every bit the talent of those guys. It's just the injury has completely set him behind the eight ball. And uh, to have him getting back slowly but surely, it finally felt like Russ had some targets he could trust and he could trust to get open in key moments. And the opposing defense has to account for 
and not just like cheat you to death and just take away all your space pre-snap. So to have Kadra come around, that's a, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I came up with the unheralded hero award was uh, exactly what KJ did in the London game. It's nice to see them get him the ball. The dude's open all the time. Man. It's huge. And I'd love, I'd like that, that jet sweep they run with Judy would love to see that with KJ. Yep. Feel oh. free to unleash that anytime you please. We will allow it. Also that little tight end toss that never worked for a Fant. I'll allow it for Dulcich. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Shout out Corliss Whiteman, too. Dude's been playing really well. Yeah, it's Six a Six punts, 51.2 average, uh, only <laughs> one inside the 20. But he's just, I mean, he's really one of the reasons why these games don't get out of control no, and out true. of hand. It's true. Also, what's why can we not fair catch a punt? What are we, please? I beg you. <laughs> I like his. I mean, I like his confidence. Holy cow! But it's yeah. It's it's. There've been a couple of scary ones. Yikes! That was terrifying. Um, okay, let's move past yesterday's game. Look at this wild card mix in the AFC. Currently, it's the AFC is nice and tidy. You have your division leaders and all the top four teams in the AFC are from different divisions. So, you know, Buffalo top record six and one, Tennessee leading the South at five and two with KC at five and two, Baltimore leading the North at five and three. Then the three teams who would currently be in the wild card in the AFC would be Jets, lost yesterday, looked terrible. Boy, do you hate not having beat them a week ago. That feels worse than it ever felt. Um, Jets defense though, still humming. Third. 13 mm -hmm. tackles for a loss in that game against the Patriots. 13, boys. Yikes. Mac Jones, eight quarterback hits. Unbelievable. Dolphins, who scare me, scare me a lot at five and three if this is who Tua is. And the Jaguars, another team you're kicking yourself for not having played better head-to-head -head at four and three. Chargers. And, I'm sorry. The Chargers is who I meant. And then just in front of the Broncos, you have Bengals, Pats, and Colts. Um, how would you handicap the Broncos playoff chances? Um, and should they be buyers or sellers here at the deadline? Oh man. I, I think Cincinnati is a tough team. I don't think that you're going to be able to pass them. And I think that they'll be firmly in the playoff picture. Once we yeah. get down the line, you could almost swap since he and swap out the jets. Yes. Right. Like, uh, yes. they're turning Cinderella's carriage was turning into a pumpkin on that end. Probably. Right. I mean, I think the Broncos still have a chance at competing with uh, the Chargers. I mean, you get that other game yep. um, down the, other the road. Game's huge. And it's one, they're only one and a half games behind the Chargers. Yeah. So win that game and you put yourself in play for sure. Right. Um, New England, I don't really know what to make of this team. I don't even oh. think they know what their identity is right now or no. who their quarterback is on a week to week basis. It's the most Belichick team ever. Like you. I, I would hate having a game plan for these guys going into a week because it's like, what team are you going to see? Yep. They are the ultimate Belichickian. They will just find an angle for you specifically. But that loss to Indianapolis still looming so large as you're, what is that, half a game behind them because of the tie? <sighs> it's unreal. I mean, it's absolutely massive. Yeah. That may really come back to bite the Broncos in the butt. Yep. In terms of the trade deadline, um, 
I'm, I really don't think they should be sellers. If you're trading away your best players, I think you're creating more problems than you're potentially fixing just by picking up compensation. I would like to see them address the running back position, though. Go get Kareem Hunt. Um, Cam Akers, I'm not really big on, but go get some of these other guys that can solidify this position for you and help out your run game finally. And maybe your pass game, too. Kareem Hunt's yes. quite the receiving back. Justin, um, how do you see the Broncos' chances of uh, of sneaking in? I mean, I think Jake assessed it pretty well. Is the You are really killing yourself over some of those losses you had in this first half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately you're going to look at that Colts game and you're going to look at the Jets game as the two that yeah. you know got away from you if you ultimately are like one or two games out of the playoffs. Um, when it's all said and done, I even having lost to a team like Indianapolis, I still like Denver's chances of getting a wild card when it's all said and done more than them. Just, I mean, when you look at their offensive situation, it's a disaster. It kind of feels like they're just punting on the season to, mm-hmm. to save money with this whole Matt Ryan contract scenario. Yeah. Um, as far as selling, it's, it's somewhat complicated. I don't think you should be dumping guys just to dump guys, but if you can get a first round pick for some of these people, I, I, I think that is the responsible thing to do. First round or bust. Yes. If you can get a first round pick for Bradley Chubb, I think you have to take it. I, I like Bradley Chubb a lot. I, I think completely. he's playing really good football. He is. To bring him back at 20 plus million a year when you've already committed this much financially to the the edge position, that's a tough one. I don't I don't know. I mean, I you could always franchise tag him, I suppose, and like see what happens there. Um, I don't know if you can get a first though for a guy like him or or Judy, another guy who I you know I'm an Alabama guy. I mm-hmm. absolutely love Judy. Mm-hmm. I feel like yesterday was one of the first times we saw the possibility of, or we got to see, you know what I kind of envisioned when the Broncos drafted him the the route running, the versatility, you know getting him involved on a jet sweep. Again though, if you could get a first round pick for him, given that you get Tim Patrick who are you already have locked down under contract, you know Sutton's playing good football. I think you have to explore that given the lack of draft capital that you have moving forward because of the Russell Wilson trade. Yeah. I will um, say looking at the schedule, the Colts have a pretty, pretty tough schedule coming on. Um, I won't read off the whole thing, but they play uh, the Bengals. They play the Giants. Um, I think the Ravens are in there too. So I think that's a team that you can look at passing down the line. New England also has a tougher schedule. So really, I think it just comes down to winning your division matchups, beating the Raiders in this next game. Finally, if you can beat the Chiefs for the first time in, what, is, what are we on, five, six years at this point? Beat the Chiefs one of those times and then beat the uh, the Chargers in that other game. I think you set yourself up pretty nicely down the road here. Yeah, I mean, I do think that third spot is wide open in the AFC. Um, Chargers with a leg up. Jets scare me, but relatively speaking. Um, and the Chargers have a really tough schedule, man. They have a really tough schedule coming up. And you have that head-to-head to make it happen. So I think I think there is a chance. I'm with you on the first round or bust. I'm really torn because I think Chubb, the asking price for Chubb has to be a little lower than that. I think it's basically the Von Miller trade. Um, and I don't know if I'd do that. I don't know if it's worth just franchise tagging him at that point or not. You know? Um, I really don't. And we've done the draft pod and attacked this exact topic. So if you want a little more details for the range of prospect you might be looking at, um, 
you can listen to that. And I know we'll be exploring that more throughout the year. I just, you can address other areas of strength, but what are you going to address? You know, you're going to draft a developmental O lineman in the second, and he's going to be ready when two, three years from now. Like, you know, it takes a while for O-linemen to be ready. Like, uh, that's just the deal. Patience is required. You want to get a, a second corner to kind of help out the Darby injuries a little. Guess what? Corners take a while, too. Like, just rolling out a rookie cornerback against the Chiefs is going to be a tough spot, you know, or against the Chargers. Uh, you know, it's – so I, I – that's why I'm so against trading Judy. I feel like <sighs> trading Jerry Judy just opens up a hole on your roster. Yeah, you might be able to get some nice picks back, but you're gonna. Have, it's like what the Titans did. Look at what the Titans did over the offseason. They yeah, traded away yeah. AJ Brown. They think that oh, we can just draft the next AJ Brown and Traylon Burks. Doesn't work that way, no, man. It doesn't. It doesn't. And you're in this immediate window, and you kind of, you know, like. The, you're you're in it now. You got to kind of stick to the plans you've laid out and try to make the best of them, try to make a run. So I think uh, reluctantly I would stick to it because the the margins you have between the kips, the picks you have and the cap you have aren't enough to make up to to make one for one replacements of who you're losing. I think that's kind of right. what we're dancing around and trying to say here. Yeah, you're right. I think that's fair. Uh, and it's it's a position What's your that gut sucks, say, though? Man. Like, we've talked about what we think should happen. What's your gut say? Do the Broncos make a move before the deadline? Yeah, probably. Addition or subtraction? Either. Uh, I think they make a move and, and sell a little, yeah. Okay, yeah. And then I think they do make a move um, one way or the other. A lot of people in the chat talking about Albert O. I think if Albert O was tradable, it would have happened by now. It's a great point. It's a great point. Those stats in the SEC, that 40, like lots of time has passed. What have you done for me lately? What he's done for you lately is not much in the NFL. It's be a healthy scratch. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you've done for me lately. And other teams see that. So they're not going to overpay for a guy who and you can just wait. Right. Like even right. if you like the potential right. still, we'll right. just wait till Denver moves on. Right. Bring him in for nothing. Give him a shot. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at. That is where we are at. Um, the American Raptors at yeah. Infinity Park, the rugby club com composed of crossover athletes, ended their first season at five and five. It's uh, it's really an amazing project they're taking on, especially for draft guys like us. All about development, all about finding talent in weird spots like a like a Quinn Miners. Um, and if you haven't heard of the American Raptors, they are Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team. Um, and it's it's just a, a really cool project. You can check out our weekly DMVR rugby podcast with Colton Strickler. He's got you covered on all things. They have amazing guests. They just take you into the rugby world from all these different really cool angles. Um, it's been awesome to follow that along over the last few years. You can follow them at the NVR rugby, um, the account on Twitter, follow their stuff on our site. Um, you know, uh, Colton's done plenty of 
rugby 101 type stuff on podcasts and stuff. They give you exclusive interviews. It's just really cool. It's also a great time to hang out and see a game. Um, so yeah, check them out for all things American Raptors at AmericanRaptors.com. Um, and yeah, they're, uh, you know, just, just check that out. Good time to, uh, to get in on some other sports and then check out our newest partner game time. Um, now you've got a little time to go see what the Broncos tickets markets are like. I need to find a warm winter or fall day to take the little one to a game with game time hooked us up with Rocky's tickets. So she went to her first game at Coors field. She went to her first game at the exporting good park. There you go. Kale's showing you on the description to this year episode on YouTube, which smash the like button, subscribe here. Uh, don't miss out on all the great Broncos content and other content we have on YouTube. And then you can find all the latest Broncos tickets. What are uh, our next home game, Kale? What are the prices looking like? 120 bucks. You know, it's basically face value for the Raiders. There's so. 77 when the Cardinals come to town on December 18th and 68 for the final home game of the season when the Chargers come here. Look at that. We just set the stage. That might be a big one if the Chargers charger and if uh, Nate Hack and the boys figure something out. Yeah, so check them out. Check them out in that description. Check out that link directly to get all the latest deals. They um, are amazing with their uh, just last second deals. Their last second discounts. They provide tickets to all sporting events in town, not just sporting events, all sorts of, um, you know, concerts, you want, whatever. Yeah, you want to go to Red Rocks with the misses. Uh, Jake, have you been to Red Rocks yet? I still haven't been to Red Rocks. Newest employee in town would make sense. He's been pretty we'll busy. We'll um, so got we got to find the right show for you and then get those tickets on game time. They've been just an amazing partner. So please support them. Please go check out all their latest deals on tickets because it really is um, quite the deal. Boom. All right. That's us. We are back. And you guys ask the fellas a lot of questions so we will answer them we're gonna start with our dnvr members on the pod post from london on the post game show and i'm starting at the bottom for the most recent con comment and going from there um fellas if you want to help me read some of these feel yep. free i'm gonna start us off with kendall hinton hall of famer who asks uh, who says feels really good to have a win Nice to see this offense improve. Hopefully it continues. Solid coverage from London the whole week. Two guys and Ali chiming in more on the pod has been stellar. While I'm dishing out compliments, Henry, you've crushed it since joining the pod. Hey, our guy. Let's go. Couldn't imagine the pod without you now. I'm not superstitious, but RK, you must be torn. These horrid uniforms are what we've... <laughs> Snap the losing streak in, but I think you, like many of us, hate these uniforms. So should the team wear them next game or abandon them even if it could cost us? Thoughts, boys, on the good juju from the jerseys in London? I guess most of the controversy surrounding the different color stripes 
side stripe on the jersey and pants. Um, I'm not a design guy. Could not care less. <laughs> they should never wear these again. That was the worst okay. uniform combo the Denver Broncos have ever worn. <laughs> there you go. So, no. It did look like shit to start the game I'm, off, too. Yeah. So there I'm might glad be that we changed it. the juju up. It was good. You know, yep. it's a nice, like, break the yep. curse thing. Yep. You know, wearing your socks inside out or something <laughs> like that. Whatever. We got through it. We got through the win. Now let's look like a real NFL football team and not some seventh graders that brought the wrong pants to the playoff game and didn't have time to go home and switch. Wow, there you go. Strong. Fix the stripes, and it's solid, I think, though. I like the blue helmet with the blue pants. Just fix the stripes, and I think you're looking pretty smooth. Okay, so a little stripe unilaterality. (laughs) Would the juju... Jose just said, if the stripes on the jersey were orange, they would be fine, and I agree. Does the juju stay even with that tweak? The juju from this London. I game. think the juju was London based. Mm. Getting out of Denver, kind of playing away from home, just changing things up. I think Ryan talked about that last week. We are a tough it's a NFL play. town, man. It's not a great place to be if the team's not doing well. What do you think, Justin? All I can think about is how much I hate those uniforms. All right. I just, <laughs> even if you switch the stripes, Fair it would enough. not look good. Like the all white is the cleanest no. look that we have in terms of aesthetic, mm, like fair, fair. how it looks like sharpness from a fashion perspective. The all white is a good looking uniform that we have. Just wear it. It's the not blue a white terrible sandwich take. is good. I'm telling you. It's not. Blue top, white, just fix the stripes. As we've been talking about it, I might be circling back from I don't care to that game wasn't good enough to turn the juju around. You just beat the Jags in London. If you beat like, the Chiefs wearing the blue, white, blue, all right. Yes. Whatever. I'll shut up okay, and I'll leave now it alone. <laughs> but absolutely. Now we're talking. Exactly. Um, Randy Chubb sack says commenting from london heathrow hell yeah to all the dmvr crew thank you so much for all the work you put into all the coverage and events last week against the jets i attended my first broncos game ever and while the result was disappointing the tailgate and camaraderie were worth the trip also a little bonus football it's true a little bonus bonus football come on but this last sunday in london hit so differently in the best way the only DMVR event I was there for was the pregame or the tailgate at the Green Man, but that alone was incredible. Broncos jerseys and swag everywhere, making new friends from all over the world. The Mile High Profit, uh, yeah, our guy raucously belting out 80 songs (laughs) lyrics in the pub. It was glorious. The energy by the whole crowd at Wembley was awesome. Those crowds in Wembley have been amazing. It's really cool. It's really cool, man. I was kind of early on in the process when the league started doing more and more games in London when it became just a not a once a year thing. You know, the cynical part of me was like, this is going to be bad for the quality of play. Uh, you know, all the travel. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little bit overblown considering these guys are flying private and stuff anyways. Right. But the, the, to see the buy-in and to see like it's our amazing. community abroad to not, not just like the NFL community, but the DNVR Broncos yeah. community abroad specifically come together and seeing what it meant to them. I was like, I, I get it. I get yeah. it. This is no. really cool. I'm really glad that they got this opportunity to experience a live home game. I'm glad they got to experience a live win. So shout out to all our Broncos fans across the pond. I'm really happy for you guys. hundred percent. I just think back to our Serbia documentary and all those people losing their minds to see the Sambor shuffle live in Belgrade 
and how that's a moment that everyone in that arena could have dreamt of, but to actually get to experience it. And that's what these international games are. And that's what's so cool about them. Um, so yeah, anyways, he continues, but it was predominantly a rowdy Broncos crowd. Shout out to all Broncos crowd for showing up. Here are my questions. Now that we are at the bye, what are the Broncos goals in the next four years? Hmm. Rebuild, playoff, Super Bowl. Um, so let's handle that question first. I mean, yeah, it's contend for a Super Bowl. I don't know if you necessarily win one, but to be back in the position you were at least, you know, in the Manning years, you don't, you don't give a quarterback seven years of boatload of money and trade all this draft capital to be content with just, you know, floating around 500, mm -hmm. you know, getting a, getting a chance to sneak into the playoffs every now and then. Right. They right. need to be a legitimate contender, a factor in the AFC. Jake. It's tough to say. Cause I think that all three of those possibilities, rebuild playoffs and Super Bowl, are in play these next four years. I mean, it's really just dependent on, I think the next 12 to 18 months and the trajectory of the team from that point whether or not they have to hire another new head coach. I mean, ideally, you'd love to say Super Bowl, um, but you got to get to the playoffs first, yeah. which is something that they're struggling to do right now. And even then, rebuild, I think, is still in, uh, in play in some regards. Playoffs? <laughs> exactly. about playoffs? I think they're in a spot where you need to try and reload, use the margins you do have to add talent, and try your best to, to, to you know, have another go at it and do what you can with the team as presently constructed. Can you envision Coach Hackett leading the Broncos to that goal is his second question. Not right now, but a lot can change really quickly. So based on what we've seen, no. Uh, I would like, I'd like to see it turn around. It's not impossible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that second half was encouraging. But we need to see that, you know, on like a month sample size. Win two, three games in a row. Get to 500. Then we'll see. Still a little tough for me to say because I feel like I'm caught in between preaching patience for Hackett but also it's one of those things kind of like where a guy just has it or they don't have it right and I don't I honestly don't know which side to go on now because I think patience is still the right route but there's some things that I've seen from Hackett in terms of the game planning play calling the fact that he won't give up play calling is it's it's killer I think to this team right now Dan Orlovsky was talking about it on the broadcast I think that's why they got the delay a game on the kickoff is because your head coach it's kind of debriefing the offense, yep. um, planning the next drive, and no one's really on top of these situational things. Something we talked about, I think, on the draft pod is where the three of us especially are wearing our analyst caps and preaching patience. We also have a hard time with the on-field product preaching patience when we're not seeing much. It just hasn't um, changed enough. Like, we're not – Yeah. I don't know. Need no. more improvement. And they add, I believe there is nothing to be gained by firing Hackett midseason. However, if there isn't enough confidence in Hackett at season end to guide us to whatever our goals down the road are, I think we are best served by cutting bait. And I think we all kind of agree. Yeah. I think we all kind of agree, and we got into it in the second segment. So um, you want to take this next one from Nash Bronco? Yeah, I got you. Um, hi, boys. The next time the Broncos play, I will be there. Can't wait to see you guys in Nashville. I hate that Kush got hurt, but when Glasgow came in, why did things shift on offense? It seemed like the interior OL was getting their asses handed to them by stunts and blitzes up to that point. They were. And yep. honestly, as long as he's been the starter. Yep. Did the Jags stop calling them, or did Graham identify past them off better? Jake? I mean, there was still that minor sack on the stunt in the, I believe it was third quarter. So it's still an issue. The interior of the offensive line is just an issue. I mean, 
It you like, sure is. You like some of the pieces. They just don't quite gel together, though. No, I mean, absolutely. The Reisner and Quinn Minor sacks are just so emblematic of that. Mm-hmm. Just like those are one-on-one blocks. I've seen those guys like handle one-on-one blocks pretty well. Well, and like Miners is like doing a quick set on that sack too. When it's like a third down, it's like, why are you not like getting into a, like a, a pass set at all? He's just right. ready for the guy right off the bat. It's like, no, not on, not in that right. situation. Right. You need better communication there. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of one of those. You have to be in the know of like understanding who's, you know, whose check is that, whose mm-hmm. call is that mm-hmm. some, you know, some of that would just be speculation on my point, but as far as the run defense goes, the Broncos do have a problem with outside zone. Yes, they do. Yeah, this yeah. guy, you're spot on, Nash Bronco. Yeah, you're talking about Nash a lot Broncos of things that we talked it. about. It hurt them against the Jets and now facing the best outside zone back in the league in two weeks. I really hope Randy Gregory and Baron Browning are back. Me too. Because Casa Benito is not physically ready to set the edge in an NFL setting yet. It's probably true. Um, I mean, that was, you know, some of the thing that we even talked about with him coming out of Oklahoma was that it was going to take a while for him to develop physically into that role. In fact, that Oklahoma on rundowns, he was more valuable, not as an edge defender setting the edge, but more as an off ball linebacker who could kind of freelance and get where he needed to be sideline to sideline. So yeah, it's a tough spot. It's kind of Malik Reed all over again. A hundred percent. I mean, it's just, you're kind of trying to shoehorn him into yeah. something where he's not best suited. That's why you have a Randy Gregory, yeah. a Bradley Chubb, yeah. um, you know, Baron Browning. Agreed. Hopefully they get those guys back. If not, it could be a long day on the ground against a, a team that can really just run it down your throats and is particularly good at stretching the field. There you go. Um, C. Fillmore 72 says, yes, the winning feeling is back. And for at least two weeks, Thanks to the bye. Yes, that is nice. Um, fabulous whole team effort with both the O and D making big and game-changing plays after the dismal first quarter. Great to be there. Have we picked up a gem in Greg Dulcich? Feels like he has all the position skills and there's some signs of great chemistry with Russ. Do you think this could be the start of one of those seminal QB tight end partnerships in the Mahomes, Kelsey, Brady, Kronk, Elway, Sharp, Mold. Um, he signs off as Christopher and then says, thanks for all the London coverage and events. Shout out to Spence on this front. It was wonderful to be able to meet up with so many of the DMVR family. Your stamina and endurance to keep going with the socials and the work was admirable. Don't know where all you found the energy. All the best. What do you think? This level of special tight end partnership uh, with Russ and Dulcich feels early. All yeah, all let's maybe pump the brakes yeah. a little bit on comparing them to like some of the generational quarterback tight end combinations. Yes, but especially when you look at uh, Russ's you know career, he doesn't exactly lean on tight ends he all day long. Like he it's, not so this far, is kind no. of an outlier for no. him. Um, but his athleticism clearly brings a lot to the table for this offense, and he gives them an ability to attack up the middle, which is kind of something that you need. You have Sutton on the outside. You have Tim Patrick. You need Dulcich. You need Judy mm-hmm. Hamler to be able to attack up the seam. What we saw, Jake mentioned some of the routes, you know, do, that he's able to get open. He's kind of too fast for linebackers, too big for some defensive backs. He can be really good. I think he can be you know, a very effective Pro Bowl-type tight end. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there you go. Chico Bean says, what up, boys? Huge win over the Jags. I've been telling my friends and my dad 
All we need from the offense is three touchdowns. That's all we need since the defense has been holding opponents to under 20 points a game. Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I mean, sign me up for three touchdowns. That's not a bad, uh, bad metric here. Uh, I'll let you take Kirk Smith, 44. Feels good to have a win. On the commentary, they kept talking about the high school offense we were running. <laughs> if quick passes, completions, and moving the sticks is high school offense, then I'll take it. However, we don't figure out the penalties, then we will not pick up three wins and extra games, which we absolutely need. Got to be more disciplined. I mean, we've talked about that for an hour now. Just the penalties, the, the margin for error is going to be much thinner down the stretch. You have to clean things up. I mean, people say high school offense, but if it works, it works. And the thing about high school offenses is they install 15, 20, 25 base plays that they know and run. And I don't think this offense has 15, 20, 25 base plays that they can reliably run consistently um, and just use as the backbone of their offense. So That's why the script is so effective. Yes. You hammer in those 15 plays and you get them absolutely right when the game starts. Yeah, just not having a bread and butter to lean on is disconcerting. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Onion Booty Bronco, oh <laughs> which is a great name. <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe all we needed to revitalize ourselves was a little English breakfast tea. A Love few thoughts English from the booty. Tea. Jonas Griffiths needs to ride the pine. More Josie and Alex, please. And cheers. The biggest issue for us, as most of us agree, is seeing the field. Usually when this happens to a season QB, he's getting hit a lot and the O-line is shaky. Yeah. Also, Russ's height doesn't help. Imagine getting rocked every other drop back and not being able to see over the O-line when the pocket collapses. That's what I think is happening here. Hackett is a lousy game manager, but not that bad of a play caller. Lots of guys run wide open. Russ still has the physical and mental traits. One solution is to take deeper dropbacks, a la Drew Brees. That dude would skip to his loo like 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage and be able to see everything. This makes ends shoot up the field, and then the QB has more space to step up and create a cozy pocket and throw dimes and peas and rockets and pigskins. I love you. My dearest regards, <laughs> Onion Booty Bronco. What a great guy. I absolutely um, love that. You need really good tackles to be able to do deep dropbacks like that, and the well, Broncos don't have that. Okay, this is an interesting comparison, though, because Drew Brees, when he was at the Saints, they never they had decent tackles, and they drafted tackles. But the beef of their offensive line was in the interior, and that's where they invested in, with Jari Evans and uh, Ben Grubbs and these guys at guard. Because when you're that short, I mean... Keep it out of his face. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the, the pressure in front of him clean, and he will play much better. We already talked a bunch about the Broncos' interior offensive line. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do think there's some lack of confidence in that offensive line and in that offense. Like, the chemistry still hasn't been built. It just hasn't. And maybe that's why things with Dulcich are working better or why a partnership with Glasgow is working better because their mistrust hasn't been built already, right? We're kind of starting this partnership anew and we can trust each other a little more. I think there has been some mistrust built thus far and Russ has seen ghosts and stuff and like not always going back to his check out, check back and check down and seeing the guy open in the flats and stuff, you know, so uh, it's tough. Cooking with Russ. I think this is where Nathaniel Hackett can get the team back on track. One of his biggest strengths is how much of a vibe guy he is. If he can truly capture the magic and the vibes from London, then I think that I truly think this team can get back to winning. Thoughts on the vibes and whether that's enough to uh, turn this around. They've been right there. 
they've been right there. I don't think it's like a vibe or lack of competitiveness that's held them back. It's minuscule, minuscule things yep. that are, you know, it's a, it's a muffed punt. I mean, it's, it's not executing in the red zone. It's a, a sack here, a sack there, an unfortunate turnover there. It's, it's the smallest of margins. So, so I mean, yeah, hopefully do we need the opposite then is maybe that like, and I'm, I'm not trying to argue cause I do think there is something to be said about a coach that is beloved in the locker room. That said, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, not a vibe guy. Oh, the vibe isn't but a positive one necessarily. They're disciplined. also disciplined. Yeah, they are. Um, so I think it's kind of like a fine line. Like I like that about him, but I also wouldn't hate if, you know, Hackett was, you know, maybe chewing guys out a little bit more. Yeah, the vibe to me has to be, look, guys, we everything's still in front of us, but we 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 can't be losing games on the smallest details, on basic shit. Um, that does have to end. Mile High Till I Die says, there was a lot of ugly offense in that game, but let's take a moment to appreciate that we went 3-3 three and three in the red zone yesterday. This is huge progress. I feel like we won the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, no, that was great, and I thought the – I thought the runs in the red zone were massively uh-huh. improved. Yep. It didn't look like even on a, some of the rushing touchdowns they'd had prior to this game, it was kind of like a struggle where it's like you get held up at the line and then you kind of push through. They had a couple of, you know, confirming like confident runs where they just, the O-line won at the line of scrimmage. They hit the hole hard and you got through. That was great to see the red zone progress. Definitely encouraging. Need more of it. I mean, that's, that's modern football. Everybody can move the football. Can you capitalize when the field gets condensed? Seemed like they were running with a little more momentum, getting downhill, not too much east and west runs, and I love a good QB sneak. About time. Oh, we're in that spot. Just sneak it. Yes. Just sneak it. Denver Wolf says, really like the combination of Jewel and Singleton. Those guys are heat-seeking yep. missiles. They're seemingly involved in every tackle. They're so good at tackling in space. Jewel's improvements in coverage really make it so that those guys complement each other nicely. Um, it definitely is an intriguing pairing and you hope both those guys can stay healthy. So you can see that in the second half. KW seven. What's good. DNVR longtime listener since the BSN days. Shout out you finally pulled the trigger to pay for the awesome content. Our guy. You guys give Let's us go. every day. Love you. Love that. Um, what are the chances that Glasgow replaces Kush going forward? We have already addressed that. Pretty decent, we think, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. Question two, what's the timeline on Gregory making it back for the Titans game? Finally get back to thank you guys for all the years of great content. Keep it up, boys. The Gregory injury, um, it was at least four games, and that was in early October, I think, come the bye. It was the Raiders game, right? Yeah, the Raiders game. You should start to be able to maybe having him back, but I wouldn't I expect him for that Titans game this week and next week. We'll tell a lot. Yeah. No, we'll see. I mean, it, God, if they traded Chubb, that would really stink. I mean, if they trade Chubb, I think that has to mean that Gregory's close to being back, though. But you also can't risk it or rush right. him back with his history and right. prevalent, you know, I know, and you stuff. also can't make that this that trade decision based on one game. Yep. So hopefully, well, hopefully they have him. Yeah. 
Um, DTL says, hey, guys, not going to lie. Them first few drives was some <laughs> of the worst football I've seen, even worse than Shermer's incompetent ass. The rest wasn't so bad, thank goodness, for this defense. P.S. Zach, I hope you are utilizing Jalen Hurts and Madden the way he's playing now. He was about the best I could offer when I gave up the team. Okay. Shout out. Shout out. And uh, final one from the Big T. It's Monday morning. My hands are still hurting from clapping so hard, and I've lost my voice from screaming. But I am still buzzing from that win to hear Let's Go Broncos reverberating around Wembley will live with me forever. Your coverage has been superb. You're all like an extended family to us. And to hear all your stories about the differences between the U.S. and U.K., especially your good, bad, and confusing segments, is what sets you apart from other monotonous sports shows. I'm so happy you've had a great time here. I love how you think we still use pagers in the U.K. (laughs) Um, That dude was quoting the brilliant, it was a good day. Um, From Ice Cube, one of my favorites, Sweet Caroline, whilst... Um, it is sung at England soccer matches. That is a recent thing. It's actually spilled over from the boxing where it's been sung for years. Why is Russ getting more abuse than the Sean Watson, Ray Rice, Kareem Hunt, and Tyreek Hill combined? What is wrong with society? Shake my head. Someone should tell Justin Tucker to wear extra padding for our game with the Ravens later this year as i think they may well get a roughing the kicker penalty in that game peace out and love to all even you tucker grr the big tabowski shout out t man og dnvr truly one of the greats very active in all aspects of dnvr football coverage we appreciate you dude yeah for sure um dre this was something i brought up to you i can't remember when we were last talking just Russ is just getting so disrespected. A lot of these quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Brady getting disrespected, Rodgers getting disrespected. I just, I don't know what's going on with the, I don't know, the general NFL fan base, but it seems a lot more aggressive this year. People were waiting for this. People were waiting for this. NFL players are different from NBA players aside from the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks get paid like NBA players and they get treated like NBA players. There may be as important to their teams as NBA superstars. Um, and we're kind of starting to see that in the social coverage as well. Where guy, people can't, like, people are lining up to just piss on guys' graves right now. Um, it's wild. I also think, as a society, collectively, people, it, when somebody is very sure in themselves, of themselves in a way that Tom Brady is, Aaron Rodgers is, Russell Wilson is, that rubs people the wrong way for whatever reason. Um, when you're winning, you can kind of do it. But when you're losing, I think everybody kind of looks at the situation like, oh, this guy always thinks he's better than everyone. Here you finally come down to earth. And like you know, Dre said, I think people have kind of just been waiting on this downfall for quite some time. Um, I'll admit that Russ's shtick can be a little bit stale at times. Um, I'm not sure he's the most genuine individual. That said, Russ is very concerned like with brand and how he you know, wants to appear in the public, much like a politician. I get what he's doing. Um, it can be corny. So like, I guess all I'm trying to say is I understand why that rubs people the wrong way. Like you mentioned, though, if, if his biggest flaw 
is that he believes in himself a hundred percent and he's not willing to change because people are making fun of him. Okay. That's our guy. Like go out and win. None of this will matter. Yeah. But you know, I mean, like you mentioned with some of those guys who have, you know, done some bad things in, in their personal lives, they're really good football players and for better or for worse football coverage, you know, it tends to revolve around what have you done for me lately? And if you are producing on the field, you are great. If you are not producing on the field, you are the worst. That's really all it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, well said. Kale, do we have super chats? No super chats. I'm glad you saved those for London. Zaxter Hankster will be back for you tomorrow. Check out our Monday night football bets coming to you on the same YouTube channel in just a quick minute. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, fellas, for doing that. Use that code DNVR if you are signing up for DraftKings Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor of this here podcast. We will see you all tomorrow.